Marilyn, Behind the Icon, a dramatic series on the life of Marilyn Monroe. Our story continues with Episode 5, My Life Was Grim, Part 2. Baby face, you've got the cutest little baby face. There's not another one to take your face. Baby face, my poor heart is jumping, you sure have started something Gladys's baby girl was born at 9.30 in the morning on June 1st, 1926, in the indigent maternity ward of Los Angeles County Hospital. The child would be known as Norma Jean Baker and would later be surprised to learn of her legal surname, Mortensen, when she first saw her birth certificate. Hello, Gladys. You have a little girl. How wonderful. How are you feeling? The doctor said everything went well. Yes, I'm fine. So is the baby. Well, what did you name her? Norma Jean. Norma! Like Norma Talmadge. Ah, oh, well, you're fortunate, Gladys. Your third time around as a mother. Now your other two children have a new sister. Why are you holding the baby with your eyes closed? Look at her. She's beautiful. I can't take care of her. I can't. Gladys, tell me the truth. Why can't you be a mother to her? I'm afraid. I'm afraid I'll hurt her. Here, let me take her. Hello, precious Norma Jean. Ah, oh, my God. She's an angel. Gladys, what did you tell the hospital about her legal care? You know the state will come in and take her away. I put my ex-husband's name on the birth record. You did what? Edward Mortensen has been out of your life for over a year. You told me the man you were dating a few months ago, Stanley, Gifford, was it, is the father. But he, he didn't want... Oh, I didn't know what to do. I put the name of my ex-husband on the birth record so that no one will know she is illegitimate. That's an ugly word, Gladys. <sighs> you certainly have gotten yourself into another pickle. But I guess as your friend, I'm in it with you. Well, Norma Jean, I guess the good Lord is appointing me to step in as your new godmother. Or something. Oh, I think she's smiling. I guess she approves. Goodness. You sure are one pretty baby. That's a cat's meow if I ever saw one. Look at those sparkly blue eyes. You know, you might grow up and become the next Norma Talmadge. Or Clara Bow. Or maybe you just might be the queen of... Of them all.
strangely enough, um, on my birth certificate under father's profession, there's the word baker, which was the name of my mother's first husband. Uh, when I was born, illegitimate, as I said, uh, my mother had to give me a name. She was trying to think quickly, I guess, and said, Baker, pure coincidence, and then the official confusion. Baker may have been a reference to Gladys' first husband, Jasper Baker, who was the father of her two children. After the birth of Norma Jean, Gladys fell into a serious postpartum depression. She cried for days, refused to eat, lost weight, and experienced insomnia, which prevented her from bonding with her baby daughter. Grace recognized that Gladys was too ill to care for her child and stepped in as caregiver. At those times, when Grace found that she could not personally care for Norma Jean, she enlisted family members and co-workers to do so. Grace was determined to prevent Norma Jean from entering the state foster care system. On one occasion, when Grace was supervising Norma Jean, Gladys went out on errands and returned home in a paranoid state. Gladys accused Grace of poisoning the baby and also superficially lacerated Grace with a sharp kitchen knife. However, this incident didn't scare Grace out of her life. When Gladys's mother, Della, returned from Borneo and she heard about the incident, she and Gladys discussed the idea of finding childcare for her infant daughter. Religion rests on the Bible and faith in God and in Jesus Christ. America needs a tidal wave of the old-time religion. America needs to be taken down to God's bathhouse and the hose turned on her. On June 13th, two-week-old Norma Jean became the newest boarder in the home of Ida and Albert Wayne Bolander. The Bolanders were members of the Hawthorne Community Church and have been described as Christian fundamentalists bordering on religious fanaticism, who strongly believed in a literal interpretation of the Bible. The Bolander's version of Christianity preached heaven and hell, sin and salvation, fire and brimstone. They condemned secular music and motion pictures. The couple also raised chickens, goats, and rabbits on their land. It was fall of 1927. Around this time, Norma Jean uttered her first words at one year old. She was mimicking Lester, a fellow child boarder at the home who was a few months younger. When Norma Jean heard Lester call Ida Mama, she did the same. Ida permitted Lester this honor, but scolded Norma Jean. When I was real little, I'd say, Oh, there's a daddy. Oh. But one morning, I was only about three, and I was taking a bath, and uh, I said, Mommy, to the woman who was taking care of me. And she said, I'm not your mommy. Call me aunt. But he's my daddy, I said, and I pointed to her husband. No, she said, we're not your parents. The one who comes here with the red hair, she's your mother. Norma Jean did not experience a secure attachment to her mother or to Ida Bolander. 
I felt a deeper attachment to Albert Wayne than to Ida or to my mother. Well, I, I remember uh, sitting beside him on a stool in the bathroom as he shaved in the morning. I'd ask him questions about the world as only a young child could. Uh, he was the only one who ever answered any of my questions. Norma Jean possessed an enormous creativity and an active imagination. Play is the language of children, and through play, she found a voice and a means to express herself. Play also inspired an early life goal. Marilyn would remember. I didn't like the world around me too much, because it was kind of grim. But I loved to play. When I was uh, five, I think, uh, when I started wanting to be an actress. Why, well, I loved to play house. It was like you could make up your own boundaries. Where well, it goes beyond house, you could make up your own situations and you could pretend. And even if the other kids were a little slow in the imagining part, you could say, hey, what about if you were such and such and I was such and such, wouldn't that be fun? <laughs> when I heard this was acting, I said, oh, that's what I want to be, because <laughs> you can play. Norma Jean's childhood experience of complex trauma began with physical abuse while she was living in the Bolander home. They were terribly strict. They didn't mean any harm. It was their religion. They brought me up harshly and corrected me in a way I think they never should have. With a leather strap. Life in the Bollander home was unyieldingly pious. Where every night... Ida instructed me to pray so I would not wake up in hell. I was taught to ask God for strength to abstain from drinking alcohol or using the Lord's name in vain. Ida forbade um, dancing or listening to music on the radio. She told me I'd burn in hell if I listened to the radio or went to the movies or danced with a boy. In fact, she forbade even talking about movies and actors or singing, with the exception of songs. When Lester and I were curious, we, we explored each other's differences. You know, the, the differences between the little boys and girls. Well, we were very close and like brother and sister. It was completely innocent. Ida severely punished me, but not Lester. Likely to ensure my salvation. Ida's punitive physical punishment for developmentally normal and natural exploration between same-age children 
now paired sexuality with shame early in Norma Jean's life. When these early traumas unrelentingly affected Marilyn as an adult 20 years later, she recorded her childhood memories in a black leather notebook. A particularly painful recollection was physical abuse and humiliation by Ida Bolander. Marilyn wrote in her journal of continuing to obey Ida decades after leaving the woman's home and a desire to discontinue this trauma bond a strong emotional tie that develops between an abuser and a survivor. I will not be punished or whipped or be threatened or not to be loved or sent to hell to burn with bad people for feeling that I'm also bad. Or... Be afraid of my genitals or ashamed. Ida, I've still been obeying her. It's not only harmful for me to do, but inhibits me and my thoughts and my work. Is also unreality because life starts from now, not in the past with Ida. I don't want to obey her any longer. I can do my work as fully as I wish, since as a small child, my first decision was to be an actress. I will not be punished for trying to hide my wanting to be an actress. I will enjoy myself as fully as I wish and be as sensitive as I am without being ashamed of it. There's nothing to hold on to but reality, to realize the present, whatever it may be, because that is how it is, and it's much better. The Bolanders photographed Norma Jean sitting on the running board of their Model T Ford and petting the farm animals on their property. They also had professional photographs of the child taken in a print dress and bonnet sewn by Ida. Many biographers interpreted this as photographic evidence that Marilyn Monroe's childhood was less grim than she reported because the photographs did not capture the physical abuse, punitive discipline, and outsider status she experienced at the Bolander home. The couple may have adopted Norma Jean if her mother had consented. But from Norma Jean's young perspective, the Bolanders favored and loved Lester more than her because they adopted him and another little girl who lived with them. When interviewed by biographers, the Bolanders claimed to have loved Norma Jean and they likely did. Love and abuse are not necessarily mutually exclusive. From her bungalow across the street from the Bolanders, Della closely monitors Norma Jean's upbringing, sometimes taking her granddaughter to her home for a few hours. Della also scrutinizes Ida's caretaking of the child. On one occasion, Della chastises Ida for spanking Norma Jean when the toddler spilled a bowl of food on the floor. By the summer of 1927, 
Stella's mental state worsens, and she becomes more and more out of control. Then, one night, a turning point happened. Della reportedly stormed across the street and banged on the Bolander's glass front door. She may have been demanding to see Norma Jean or under the delusion that the child was dead. Ida went to the kitchen to bring her a glass of water. When she returned, Ida allegedly discovered Della attempting to smother Norma Jean with a pillow. I remember waking up from my nap, fighting for my life. Something was pressed against my face. It could have been a pillow. It's the memory of a struggle for survival. I was still very small. A baby in a little bed. I was struggling for my life. But I'd rather not talk about it. If it's all the same to you, it's a cruel story. Marilyn's memory of this early childhood trauma has been widely criticized by uninformed biographers. She would have been just over one year of age. Recent research in childhood trauma suggests infants have a remarkable ability to store and retain information for a long time, and this skill may have survival value. It is likely that Marilyn heard the story repeated from the adults around her and created a visual narrative of the event. Husband Arthur Miller would hear the story from Marilyn over 30 years after it allegedly happened. This first childhood memory would provide Marilyn with a damaging frame for her early life and her family. But Della's dangerous behavior did not end with the attempted smothering. The next event would be much worse and more violent. Ida, come over to the window. Della is running from her house across the street. She's headed right to us again, just like last time. Don't let her in, Albert Wayne. She's been acting very strange, not making any sense, getting very agitated. She claims some man broke in and raped her. Albert Wayne, open this door! Open it! Ida, let me in! Lord have mercy! You calm down and stay out! Ida, take Norma Jean and the children into the kitchen and dial the operator to get the police. I'll be right there to talk to them. Children, come with me. Stop kicking the door, Della! You'll kick it down! You let me in! You give me my granddaughter! Ida, I know you're in there! Let me in, damn you! Della, stop! You'll break the glass! I'm not letting you in again or near Norma Jean in this condition. Hello, operator? Operator, give me the Hawthorne police immediately. Now you've done it. You've gone and cut your hand and hurt yourself. Look, you're bleeding all over the porch. Ida, give me the phone. Hello, police. Send help to 459 Rhode Island Avenue. We've got a crazy woman out of control here breaking into our house. We have small children here. Please, come quickly. Stay quiet, children, and pray with me. Lord, deliver this woman and keep us safe. In the final violent episode, Della ran across the street, naked by some accounts. 
The shattered glass pane lacerated her hand, which bled profusely. Law enforcement officers arrived and subdued Della. She was forcibly placed in the back of an emergency vehicle. Children, gather around us and pray. Lord, have mercy on the soul of that tormented woman and keep these children safe. The Bolanders watched as Della was taken away to Los Angeles General Hospital. Della was described as psychotic and was soon diagnosed with manic depressive psychosis. Della was committed to Norwalk State Hospital. Several months later, she died of a heart attack during a seizure on August 4, 1927. After this alarming incident at their home, the Bolanders closely monitored little Norma Jean for a possible genetic predisposition to mental illness. Albert Wayne, we'll have to watch that one very carefully. Yeah, Ida, I know. It's in a family, you know, her grandmother and her mother. Unfortunately, this was not the last incident of tragedy to happen at the Bolanders. The next involved a dog named Tippy. Good boy! That's a good boy! I was about five years old um, when one day a dog followed Albert Wayne home from the trolley line. Well, I adopted the stray and named him Tippy. <laughs> My new companion used to follow uh, Lester and me to school and waited for me and followed me home. <laughs> Oh, Tippy was my loyal friend, and I loved him very much. He was probably the first thing I ever loved. But the Bollanders allowed Tippy to roam outside at night, and uh, he would often dig up the neighbor's flower garden. The neighbors got very mad about this and complained to the Bollanders. Norma Jean awoke in the night to the sound of a shotgun firing. The neighbor had stayed up late with his shotgun, waiting for Tippy to roam his property at night and trample his garden. It's unknown if the neighbor actually shot the dog. In truth, Ida had observed a car run over and kill Tippy and didn't want the remains repeatedly crushed by passing cars. So she used a hoe to drag the body to the driveway until Albert Wayne returned home from work to bury it. Norma Jean returned home from school to discover the mutilated remains of her beloved pet lying beside the hoe and concluded it had been deliberately killed. At the sight of this carnage, Norma Jean became hysterical. She ran into the house and screamed and cried uncontrollably. Ida and Albert Wayne could not console her. Believing the child would be comforted if she thought the death had been instantaneous and less painful, Ida told her that Tippy was shot in the head by an angry neighbor. Norma Jean would not accept the lie, and she invented her own narrative based upon the scene she saw. Concluding that the child's reaction was paranoid and delusional, Ida felt uncomfortable with this reactivity to the trauma. 
Norma Jean may not have received emotional comfort following this traumatic childhood experience. Norma Jean, it's Saturday. Your mother is here to visit. Good morning, Albert Wayne. Morning, Gladys. Where's Ida? She went shopping with the children. Hello, Norma Jean. What's wrong? Cat got your tongue. She's quiet today. She's been quiet for a few days. She seems very upset about something, Albert. Norma Jean, let's go out in the backyard and pet Uncle Albert's goats. Watch out. He's chewing on your skirt. What's that mark on your arm? Come over here, Norma Jean. Let me see. Why, it's a bruise. Lift up your sleeve. My goodness. It goes all the way up. All the way up your back. What did that woman do to you? They, I, I was, they killed Tippy. Who's Tippy? <laughs> my, my doggy. <laughs> my God. What's been happening here? Norma Jean, listen to me. Listen carefully. I'm going to take you away from here. You hear me? I'm going to build a house for us to live in. It's going to be painted white and have a backyard. I promise. I'm so sorry, my little girl. Mommy's sorry. There, there. Gladys eventually would remove Norma Jean permanently from the Bolander home, the only home she had ever known, in August of 1933. Norma Jean was already seven years old. Be a little forgiving And take me back in your heart How can I go on living Now that we're apart And if you knew what I've been through You would know why I ask you Have you ever been lonely? Have you ever been blue? For the facts behind the scenes portrayed in this episode, be sure to listen to our companion podcast, Norma Jean, Discovering Truths, a discussion around the historical events drawn from Marilyn's life, which we are using to create the dramatic narrative in every episode. For the complete experience of our series, visit our website at BehindTheIcon.com where you can listen to every episode and also follow the story through historical photographs, videos, and exclusive anecdotes. You can subscribe on the website to join our community and get special updates about the series. On Facebook, search Marilyn Behind the Icon and stay connected to our social posts. Subscribe to the audio series of Marilyn Behind the Icon on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or where you're listening now. We'd love for you to give us a review or rating if you're enjoying what you're hearing. 
You can also support the show and the production by checking out the offers from the advertisers and sponsors you hear in the show or find on our website. This dramatic audio series is based on the two-volume biography by author Gary Vitaco Robles titled Icon, The Life, Times, and Films of Marilyn Monroe.